Hi everyone, and welcome to my sauntering podcast. My name is Paul White, and I live in a gorgeous place called Weymouth. And this podcast is a collection of saunters that were born in lockdown, but it's also got some additional stuff which is just fresh, hot off the press. praying that you'll be really blessed and that God will speak into your heart as we take this journey together. So please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts. Good morning saunterers, welcome to another saunter on this beautiful day. It's kind of a little bit overcast but birds are singing flowers are out and it's warm it's not raining god is good so let's pray lord we thank you for your incredible love we thank you for this message that's contained in this book of luke lord we want to open our hearts to hear from you today speak to us in jesus name amen good morning emily how are you today um we are on luke chapter three and John, uh, sorry, Luke is continuing in his style of trying to give us evidence. Good morning, Admire. He's trying to give us evidence that we can pin our faith on. So we're not just going on kind of legendary information or kind of word of mouth, which gets expanded and extended over the years and becomes hard, you know, kind of in- incredible in that sense of I just can't believe that so Fran good morning and uh, so what he's doing he's telling us something that is incredible but he's really trying to pin it into some good concrete verifiable facts such as time in history and place in history and so he goes on chapter 3 verse 1 he says in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar Pontius Pilate being governor of Judah, we've heard of him, haven't we, Pontius Pilate? Herod, being Tetrarch of Galilee, that's not the Herod we were talking about a couple of days ago, That's that was Herod the Great, this is Herod, one of Herod's sons, and these three people he names now, Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, Tetrarch of the region of Eturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene. You don't have to remember any of those names. It's not an exam. It just means that when Herod the Great had died, he'd given over his reign to three sons, and now they were split. The king, the um, territory they were governing was split into three. Tetrarch means one of four rulers, but this is uh, kind of became a term that's kind of used for just more than one. So uh, these are the Tetrarchs, and this is Herod the one who we um who we know of in <laughs> the future so let's get, let's get to the story so pontius pilate he's the roman governor and these three other guys the sons of herod the great are tetrarchs during the high priesthood of annas and Ca- caiaphas 
So he's really trying to focus this down. He's saying this is a real thing, really happened, real time in history. These are the guys in power. This is what's going on. And he's setting the scene for us. And then he says, John, the son of Zechariah, sorry, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, who we'd heard about his miraculous birth a couple of days ago. Right, this now, he's grown up and the word of God comes to him in the wilderness. So he's out in the wild place. Remember, God hid him, kept him separate for a period of time until his moment of public ministry was going to be launched. And this is it now. So the word of the Lord. So he doesn't start his job. He doesn't start his ministry until he receives the word of the Lord. It's like the prophetic burden, that uh, that indwelling, powerful residing word of God be, is born in his heart and boom off he goes so in that moment he begins to speak and he went into verse 3 it says he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins as it is written in the books the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord and make his path straight. So he's now saying, Luke is saying, this is what John is fulfilling. He's fulfilling this prophecy from Isaiah. You're all very familiar with it. They were, his audience were. And he's saying, this is what John came to do. He was the guy Isaiah was prophesying about, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. So any obstacle, any physical, geographical hindrance to God coming, this is metaphorical language. He's saying all these obstacles need to be flattened out because God is doing something and he's, we need to prepare a way for him. And the crooked shall become straight and the rough places shall become level ways and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So this message, just like the angel said to the shepherds, this is for all people. This message now that we understand from Isaiah is for all people. And <clears throat> Luke is saying this is why John came to prepare all people to receive the Messiah who was promised to the Jews that he's coming for all people. So this is really cool, isn't it? And, and just to say a couple of things about John's baptism, he went into all the region around the Jordan proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And so the baptism of John was different to the baptism that Jesus set up. We Paul the Apostle tells us that we are baptised into Christ we are baptized into Jesus somehow when we become baptized as a believer in him we are submerged into him we are kind of if you imagine a throwing a big rock into um, the river and it becomes submerged in that water baptism for the Christian is we are submerged into Jesus Christ and so our baptism is one of identification we identify with his death and his burial and his resurrection and it's not so much about forgiveness of sins but this baptism of John which preceded the baptisms that Jesus began to instigate and tell his disciples to do um, the, the baptism of John was about 
um, turning around, indicating by this act of going in the water that you wanted your previous sinful life to be washed away and cleansed and you were going to have a new start and you were changing your mind and your attitude towards God and by going into the water and coming up again you were saying I am embarking on a different way of life with a different heart towards God I've repented of my sins of my wrongdoing all the things I've done that have been displeasing to God I'm turning from them and so this was a clear indication from the people who were responding to John's message that they could hear what he was saying their hearts had been moved they wanted to change their heart towards God and they were getting baptized now some of that sense is still carried over into Christian baptism but there's a whole lot more as well that we're we're getting into when we get baptized as a believer hopefully if you've been baptized somebody explained all of that to you and so what I'm saying now is just like yeah I know that Anyway, so here we go. And so this is what John says to the crowds that come out to be baptised by him. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptised by him, you brood of vipers. So guess what? John's not trying to win friends and influence people. He's trying to give them, <laughs> he's trying to cut to the chase in as short amount of time as possible. And he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? bear fruits in keeping with repentance so we're not just going to have repentance bandied around as a christian jargon term we're going to understand what it is and john says you need to evidence repentance by the fruit or the product what comes then from your life as a result of that i was talking to someone yesterday who said that her ex-partner had said you've changed since you've been baptized that is good. <laughs> that is good because what he's recognising is that since she did the business with God that led her to become baptised, there has been a change in her life. There should be a change in our lives when we turn to Jesus. If there isn't, we probably haven't turned to Jesus. We probably just put our hand up, prayed a little prayer that we never really heartily engaged with. Right, here we go. So John says, bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. So what he's doing, he's cutting right through all the religious kind of armour that these Jewish people were accustomed to wearing because they thought because we're Abraham's children, we're special to God where they were but that somehow gives us a get out of jail free card and we're, we don't need to do your silly baptism, John, because we've got this, we've got our religious credentials emblazoned on our arm, worn across our chest. I'm a child of Abraham. Do you know what I mean? I'm a chosen one. But he says, listen, don't even begin to throw that one at me as an excuse because that actually, it doesn't count. And he says, even... God could raise up from these stones children of Abraham and that would have been a difficult thing for a devout Jew to hear. They would have said, what is he talking about? This man's a blasphemer. And, uh, <clears throat> but he says, even now, verse 9, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, 
that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow. John is cutting to the chase, if you'll excuse the pun. He's, he's saying, listen, guys, I am bringing a radical message. You need to hear me. I'm not messing about. God is serious. He is looking at your life. He's looking intently at you. And the old things that you trusted in, literally, the axe is going in. And the, everything that is not fruitful, bearing good fruit to God, is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. Wow. So he's saying this is a time of tectonic change. This is the time now where you must change. You must repent. Now, if ever we needed a John the Baptist in our lives, we need one now, don't we? Because just like these guys, there's that complacency that this is, oh, you know, we got Abraham as our father. We don't need any of your message. We can do fine by ourselves. Anyway, there were plenty of those people who heard who did respond. And verse 10 says, and the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptised and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you're authorised to do. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be content with your wages. So what John is doing, he's unpacking the jargon. He's saying, right, here's the word. It is repentance, in which means to change your mind, change your heart towards God. And he now is explaining to them what that will look like in their ordinary lives. So he says, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. So you guys... Maybe you've got more than two tunics. He's saying, look, look around you. Who's in need? Respond to that need. Cover the nakedness. This is all in the Bible. This is all in the Old Testament. You just have to look for it. Um, and he's saying, this is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like you share what you've got. You share your food with the hungry. Again, it's all in the book of Isaiah. Tax collectors came to be baptised. And so these were the guys who were employed by the Roman government to collect taxes. And they were kind of like um, freelancers. And they gave the the um, the Roman government um, a, a price. They said, look, I'll get this amount per person or I'll get this percentage out of the people. And the, the um, government gave the contracts to the guys who came up with the best offer. But also what they were doing was they were extracting their own fee on top of that. And often they were charging more like double what they should be charging because it was like one for the government, one for me, one for you. In fact, one for the government, two for me, one for you. And it was like that. And then so they were kind of getting rich. And he says, listen, collect no more than you're authorised to repentance and this is a really important word for us to hear repentance needs to show itself in our business dealings in our financial conduct we need to carry ourselves in a way that is um, credible and uh, just 
wins wins uh, respect because we're completely of integrity. And he says this this repentance that's coming into your life now, this moment where you are responding to God, show us. Let there be evidence following on from it in the way you live. And he says to the soldiers, he says, soldiers also asked him, and we, what are we to do? And he said, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be content with your wages. Good morning, Rosemary. Good morning, Heather. He says, be content with your wages. You, you're getting, he's not actually saying interestingly to the tax collectors and the soldiers, quit your job. He's saying actually, just do your job, but do it with integrity. Do it with a pure heart. Don't extort money from anyone. The Roman soldiers could use their power and their size and their strength and their weapons and everything else and their position in society to get people to do things for them or give them money by threaten, threatening them with menaces and so on. But he says, don't do that. Just be content with what you have. Now, here's a thing in our society, because we live in an incredible culture of envy where we want the next thing. And we think, if I have that, I'll be happy. I'll, if only I could have that thing, that would make me successful. That would make me better looking more. I'd get more followers on Instagram, whatever it is. And the message of the gospel is still the same as we prepare our hearts for what God is doing in our day. We need to say, right, I'm going to be content with what I get paid. I, it doesn't stop me maybe asking for a pay rise when it's pay review time or whatever, but I'm content. I'm not constantly gnawing my hand off, wishing I had more money. I'm not constantly complaining about my low pay and so on and so on. If you're not content with your wages and you're not going to get it in the job you're in, look for a different job. But do it with good grace and let that contentment be an example to everybody else in the workforce. Make it your business that you're going to show up with the biggest smile on your face every morning. You're going to be the best employee in Asda or wherever it is you work. Show up with that evidence of repentance in your life. Instead of criticizing your boss all the time pray for him or her intercede for them ask God for words of knowledge words of wisdom that will bless them and maybe help the company to be more prosperous so they can maybe then pay you more or ask God that you'll be able to bring in the contract that brings the company up into a more robust financial place come on let's you let that repentance be evident in our day-to-day -day. this is what John's message was verse 15 as the people were in expectation, were all questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ. John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming. The strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. So he's saying, so of course, because John is successful in his ministry, he's got a huge following, got loads of people coming out into the wilderness to listen to him. And there is a phenomenon happening around John because God has sent him for this time with a message. People start to speculate and wonder whether he is in fact the Messiah. The Jewish people were expecting a deliverer to come. They called him the Messiah, the anointed one. And there was this growing expectation at around this time 
building up over maybe hundreds of years that the Messiah must come and they assumed that he would come as a deliverer to deliver, the, to deliver them from the Roman oppression but actually they're now thinking maybe this hairy guy in the wilderness who eats locusts and honey and stuff maybe he's the Messiah and so they start to speculate and John answered them all saying I baptize you with water but he who is mightier than I is coming, the strap of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He's saying there's someone better. He's like the little billy goat gruff who's going over the bridge and he says, you wait, <laughs> there's a bigger one coming. And <clears throat> he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. But Herod the Tetrarch, who had been reproved by him, <laughs> so John had basically told him off, for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked John up in prison. And so John got himself out of favour with, he was in favour with a lot of people, but he was out of favour with the ruling tetrarch of the region, Herod, because he'd re rebuked him for having his brother's wife. I think it was also his niece. So it was like incest on two levels, really. And, and but Herod didn't really particularly want that kind of marriage advice from John and so locked him in prison. Um, but he preached this message. He preached good news to the people. Now we think sometimes that preaching repentance is bad news actually is good news because the good news is there's something better than a life of sin there's something much better for us if we would turn to God but his picture of Jesus I find really challenging he says he I can't I'm not even worthy to undo his shoes he's so bigger and greater than me and then he says he's his winnowing fork is in his hand that's how they shake the grain out from the chaff and the, he's going to clear his threshing floor which is where that process takes place the grain is separated from the husk and so on and then it's just the grain that's kept and all the other stuff is blown away and he says the chaff he's going to gather the wheat into his barn but the chaff he's going to burn with unquenchable fire and there is this sense wow Jesus and John is prophesying it when this messiah comes he's going to begin a process of judgment and even when Jesus was speaking even while John is speaking that process is going on of judgment where we feel like the word of God is actually making challenges to the way I live and the way my value system is set and I'm going to have to change if I'm going to walk with God so verse 21 really key verse when all the people were baptized and Jesus who had also been baptized and was praying the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven you are my beloved son with you I am well pleased so in other um, gospel versions we read that John had a conversation with Jesus where he said, no, master, it should be you, you baptizing me, not the other way around. And Jesus says, no, I want to do this so that I can fulfill all that God requires of me and people at this time. But when Jesus had been baptized, he was praying 
and then the heavens above opened and this dove came down the holy spirit came and settled on him like a dove and <clears throat> then this voice speaks out from heaven you are my beloved son with you i am well pleased and so there we get that real clear affirmation from god the father god the holy spirit and there's god the son in the water or just coming up from the water so we have god the father speaking from heaven we have the holy spirit coming on jesus in the form of a dove and jesus is god the son himself isn't he and so there in that moment god is cheering jesus on the the godhead people like to use the term for the holy for the holy trinity what we call the trinity father son holy spirit that whole god himself is speaking and endorsing this man standing there in the water oh, isn't it just an incredible moment and god wants to do the very same to you and me he wants to fill us with the power and the love the person of the holy spirit that in the same way Jesus went on to exhibit a life full of the power of God and the love of God, he wants to do that with you and me. Here we go. So, right, quick genealogy then, which is like potted history of the family ancestry.com. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as it was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Elsie, the son of Nagai, the son of Math, again, Math, the son of Matthias, Matthias, the son of Semyon, the son of Josek, the son of Joda, the son of Johanan, the son of Ressa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adi, the son of Kosam, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Jorim, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Meliah, the son of Mena, the son of Matata, ta, 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 the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, you're getting familiar with some of these names, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nahashon, the son of Aminadab, the son of Admin, there you go, Admin gets in the Bible, the son of Arni, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, heard of him, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Serug, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, Canaan, Canaan the son of Arpaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lamech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalalelil, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. <laughs> wow, there should be an award <laughs> for reading the genealogies. However, this is a serious point. Um, the genealogy of that Matthew recounts in his gospel and the one that Luke does is very different or is particularly different in some places and that apparently is because Luke is tracing the genealogy of Mary not Joseph 
Um, and Matthew is doing the one of Joseph, but it's interesting that he at least starts it off. He is supposed to be, they assumed Jesus was the son of Joseph, the son of Heli. <clears throat> anyway, whatever. I can't ever get my head round genealogies. They never seem to make sense and the numbers don't quite add up. And I'm not very good at maths anyway, so <laughs> I'm in a disadvantage. But the point is this, that... Jesus is a real person. He actually had real parents. He actually had real ancestors. He was part of a tribe and he was part of a nation and he lived in an actual place at an actual time. So in the famous words of J. John, when someone said to him, have you ever seen God? He's, he comes back and he says, have you ever seen Queen Victoria? And they're like, no. And he says, well, if you'd have lived at the right time and you were in the right place, you could have done and he says, if you lived at the right time and in the right place, you could have seen God because actually he was walking the earth physically for 33 years. Isn't that incredible? So this is a real person. This is not just some kind of fictional character that Christians have made up and pinned all their hopes on. And it's just so exciting because all the supernatural things that Jesus goes on to do and the incredible events that are around him and the things that he's preached, they still live. They still happen today. This is for real, ladies and gentlemen, and our hope is based on facts, not fiction. So have a stunning day. May God bless you and keep you and make his face smile upon you and shine on you and give you peace. Amen. I am super excited to be able to recommend to you my book, The Christing. It's a whole adventure of digging deep into the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, exploring stories that may be familiar to us, but just seeing how the power and the beautiful rich treasure of the Holy Spirit is there on every single page and my desire as I share my own stories is that we would get caught up in that adventure together of a life pursuing the supernatural God where anything becomes possible when we're full of his Holy Spirit. And so my prayer for you as you read this book is that you'll get excited to embark on your own voyage of discovery with him. But more than anything else, that you would fall more in love with Jesus. So please, if you have not got a copy, do buy one. You can get it online on all the major um, online bookstores, including Amazon, Eden and others. You can buy it from Christian bookshops. And, or you can message me and get your own signed copy. There you go. But do like it and review it because that really, really does help. Thank you so much. <laughs>